Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartz, and today we are breaking down all 14 games from Week 10 coming up here. So it's awesome. We have already gone through nine weeks of NFL football, everybody. I absolutely love it. And guess what? We got plenty more to go trying to get all you listeners out there up into Championship Sunday. We got to win Week 10 first, though. So have on, you know, bi-weekly guests. You guys know him, Dwayne freaking McFarlane, everybody, from PFF and Established to Run. You can find Dwayne on Twitter, at Dwayne McFarlane. His, his name on Twitter is Context Matters because you know what context does matter Dwayne how's it going man happy week 10 dude I'm doing so good I'm with you I can't believe that it's week 10 like this is just flying by I mean we're we're nearly to the playoffs in fantasy so I'm excited to dig into it let's jump in Big days ahead for sure. So if you haven't listened to this format of the show, we're going to go through every matchup. I'm going to briefly list the spread, the over, what's been moving. I'm going to take the away team. Dwayne has the home team, and we are moving on. We are recording this on Tuesday night, so plenty of time to still form our opinions and all that, but want to at least get you guys caught up with the matchups and a cool stat or two along the way as we all prepare to continue our research. So without further ado, let's get after it. First matchup, we got the Colts at the Titans. Tennessee sitting as two-point favorites, opening total of 50.5 down to 48.5. So we got some funkiness continuing to go on in this Colts backfield. I know if you know you're a Jonathan Taylor fantasy football manager and you're listening to this, you've probably had you know some serious emotional swings over the past few weeks because oh my goodness, this has been frustrating. And now we got Coach Frank Wright coming out and saying the following after uh, Taylor only got one rush attempt fall after uh, he fumbled and the Ravens took it all the way back to the house last week. So this is from Frank Wright. Uh, yesterday we had 15 carries in the first half and six in the second. Our plan was to roll with the guys by committee, and then we only had four plays in the third quarter. And the first time we touched in the fourth quarter. We were down by 11, so it was a little more pass-oriented. I can tell you this. There was never any discussion over the headset about, hey, let's get the other guys in there. That was not talked about. It was he has to get over it and get ready to go. We have confidence in him and him being Jonathan Taylor. All the confidence in the world. So what does this tell us? It tells us that this three-headed committee from hell is going absolutely nowhere, everybody. Naeem Hines is a pass down back. Taylor is the starter, and if the Colts ever ever have a neutral game script game I think we will actually see Taylor lead the way in total touches but Jordan Wilkins still right there and he's not going anywhere either so look coming out of the bye we were hoping that Wilkins would be out of the picture that's not the case but don't confuse that with Wilkins taking over this backfield I mean we know I I do the waiver wire section uh, for this podcast uh, that comes out on um, Tuesday and you know just looking at that this situation over the past few weeks it's not Jordan Wilkins coming on it's just him coming on enough to hold back Jonathan Taylor so it's unfortunate that we have this big big badass Colts offensive line and we can't do much with it but unfortunately that is the world we live in when we have three-headed backfields that the coach refuses to kind of uh, name a lead back out of so unfortunate but really people just can't really trust any of these guys as top 24 options and it's not looking like that's going to change anytime soon Dwayne what's going on with Derrick Henry and company yeah man well we know the offense still runs through Derrick Henry I don't expect that to change uh, you know we have a tough matchup this last week you just if you have Derrick Henry you're starting him you don't really need me to tell you anything about Derrick Henry what I would say I'm a little concerned Ian because early in the season you know we talked a couple times on this episode about Tennessee being a team that was really running you know a lot more plays than what we were used to seeing um, you know under Mike Vrabel and that's starting to go the other way now so if you look at over the first six games they're running 72 plays per game over the last three, 59 plays per game. Their neutral pass rate is 58%, so that excludes all you know two-minute activity, and the game has got to be within three points, which you know is decent. It's 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 not high. I mean, it's a little. It's right around average. Um, Tannehill continues to be you know semi-effective. He's not where we saw him though earlier in the season. He is struggling a little bit more now. What I will say, the positives are. 35% of their passes are play action. So that's the third most 
in the league. The problem is they're just not building leads like they were last year. So it's like they're literally in these shootouts, but the good news is they're still continuing to use the play action passing. And then that feeds down to, well, if anytime I'm with anytime I'm with Ian, I have to talk about AJ Brown. So <laughs> we might as well go ahead and get that out of the way. So AJ Brown, uh, you know, 23% target share on the year, but 36% of his passes come on play action targets. That's plus 13% versus the league average. 84% of his uh, targets are the first read variety. That's plus 8% versus the NFL average. And 34% of his targets come with a linebacker or safety in primary coverage. That's a plus 5%. So A.J. Brown, I know the matchup is you know basically neutral, but he's used in such a way, Ian, and I know Corey Davis is getting his targets too, and you know if you want me to talk about him, I can. But the thing I love about A.J. Brown, even though he's not getting 10 to 12 targets, the targets he... The, the targets that he does see, you know, they're just so juicy. He's just a guy we can continue to plug and play. And you, you know, you've got that upside. You feel great about it. Fantasy friendly targets for a fantasy friendly player. And I, I think AJ Brown's yak last week looked better than it has all year. You know, he's continuing to play through this knee injury, expecting fireworks as always from AJB come Thursday night. Uh, next matchup, we got the Texans at the Browns. Browns open up as two and a half point favorites. That is up to three and a half coming off their bye. Uh, over under at 55 and a half is down to 52 and a half. So again, check out the Tuesday pod if you want more specific waiver wire stuff. I talk about Duke Johnson, aka the use all time leading rusher, who is absolutely three down back. If you want more information on him and other waiver wire, uh, tech, check out that pod. I would talk about Deshaun Watson for a second because I think uh, you know just his awesome season is going on under the radar because the Houston Texans as a team have not been good, but Deshaun Watson as a quarterback, both in real life and fantasy, has been absolutely spectacular all season. This is the most efficient version of Deshaun Watson we have ever seen. He has a 82.5 PFF grade. That's a career high. 74.6 just completion rate. That's a career high. 8.6 yards per attempt. You name the passing metric and Deshaun Watson is probably setting a career high mark in it. It's been absolutely fantastic, and I think what we're seeing is the same reason why the Panthers offense without Christian McCaffrey didn't necessarily take a step back. It's because when you remove a great player, DeAndre Hopkins is a great player, Christian McCaffrey is a great player, but at least in the short term, you remove that guy and makes the offense less predictable when you still have great players in the offense like Will Fuller, like Brandon Cooks, uh, you know, even Randall Cobb's making some plays. You can still make the freaking offense hum when you got a generational guy like Deshaun Watson under center. And look, I hate the word generational. I'm mad I just said it, but in Deshaun Watson's case, I do think it's true. And again, the reason why I do think this offense is humming so well is not focusing so much on one player. And from 2017 to 2019, Deshaun Watson, he only threw to his first read on 64% of his pass attempts. That was number 50 among 68 qualified QBs. This year, he's thrown to his first read on 71% of his pass attempts. That's the ninth highest mark in the entire league. So he's always been good when he just, you know, gets the ball, trusts the play, puts his foot in the ground, throws the ball. He's a fantastic quarterback. And, you know, he's so good off script that I think, you know, maybe and just like we see some quarterbacks over the years, Johnny Manziel and, you know, to name one, they get too reliant on just, you know, playing playground ball. Deshaun Watson, like I can see how he'd want to do that all the time because it's spectacular when he makes it happen. But the more that he can continue to trust the offense, take the first rebounds there, and then turn to Superman when he needs to, I think that's just going to continue to bring out the best version of Watson. So don't let that two and six record, uh, you know, confuse you, everyone. Deshaun Watson's playing great ball. I think he continues to do so this week. Dwayne, hit me with some Browns goodness. Yeah, man, we got the potential here for Chubb to be back, and it's the number three matchup for running back. So it's a juicy spot for Chubb. Obviously, Kareem Hunt, a very good player, going to continue to be involved. The two guys I just want to talk about real quick for the listeners here, one, Jarvis Landry. Um, I know the box score didn't light up the week before the bye, 
Um, but if you looked at it, 10 targets, that's 42%. 40% of those coming in against linebackers. That's plus 11% versus the league average. So Jarvis Landry, I think, is going to be a wide receiver too the rest of the way. Ian, you know, he's right. he could be right there on the border of that. But this is a guy that we've seen do it in the past. I know he's not Odell Beckham Jr. I know he's not going to hit all the big plays. But Jarvis Landry is a guy that we know can get it done if they put him in the right position to do the things that he does well. And it looks like they're going to do that. Um, so I'm excited about Landry. The other guy is just Austin Hooper. You know, coming back from the appendectomy, he has dropped in a lot of leagues, especially if you're in a small to medium size league. Size league. Ian, I'm sure you already hit him the other night. Um, but I mean, over the last three weeks, seven targets, five targets, nine targets. That's 27%, 25%, and 20%. So even before Odell Beckham Jr. was hurt, they were really starting to find their groove with Austin Hooper. And so this is that same you know scheme that we see in Minnesota and to some extent what we see in San Francisco. Really juicy matchup issues for linebackers and safeties who are caught in a bind off of play action. And Hooper, who's not a great athlete, but he's a good athlete athlete, right? He's not George Kittle or anything, but you know, he's also not Jason Witten either. You know, the guy can move. So he's going to be in some really good situations down the stretch. So I think he and Jarvis Landry really fill out the one, two punch. And then I think you'll see Richard Higgins really, you know, he'll have his games and I think he'll probably be in that 15%, you know, range and he'll hit some big plays, but I I think we're going to see Landry and Hooper, you know, really establish themselves off of play action. And I think we're going to be, we're going to be happy with them as fantasy assets. Of course, with the Browns, you do always have to worry about they get ahead by too much and just run the ball the whole time, just like you have to worry about with Minnesota. So you're always going to have to deal with that. Um, they don't they don't pass the ball a ton. They don't always run a ton of plays, but very, very efficient when they do. And the matchups coming up, man, not just this week. we got Texans right here, but then the Eagles, Jaguars, Titans, Ravens sucks, then Giants yeah. to Jets up until Championship Sunday, man. Browns might make a little run here, make a little uh, contention run. We'll see what happens. It's certainly a good time to have uh, Cleveland Browns players of all shapes and sizes on the fantasy football squad. Uh, next matchup here, we got the Washington football team at the Detroit Lions. The odds are down at the moment with Matthew Stafford in the concussion protocol. We'll see what happens there. But I will talk about this Washington football team backfield because if you have not been on my Twitter today, you probably have not seen me just tilting slash slandering slash going off on J.D. McKissick in this entire situation. It is just, you know, as someone that's been hoping for Antonio Gibson to break out all year, we had the post-buy game seem like a perfect chance to really get him more involved in the passing game, and that's not what happened. It didn't happen because, one, okay, Antonio Gibson fumbled on the first play of the game after he ripped off a nice 21 yards, but fumble's a fumble, I get it, but more primarily the reason why it wasn't Antonio Gibson week is because Kyle Allen got hurt, and now we have Captain Checkdown, Alex Smith back under center. You know, can't talk about Alex Smith without saying, you know, great story, comeback player of the year. Now that we got that out of the way, look, he is a, a disservice to this offense right now. He's not taking care of the ball. He had three picks in 30 minutes last week. Dwayne Haskins had three picks in the first four weeks of the season. Alex Smith has checked down on 18% of his passes this season. Out of every single quarterback that has at least 100 pass attempts, no one else is higher than nine. So he's literally checking down twice as often. And for some reason, Washington seemingly won't put Alex Smith out there without J.D. McKissick there to quote-unquote protect him. Now, I say that, you know, in air quotes, I'm using my hands as I say this. The reason why it's weird is because it's not like J.D. McKissick is this just, you know, just amazing pass protection ace. He's on his third team in three seasons. The guy weighs under 200 pounds. He is not a pass blocker. He has not stayed in the pass block on more than five snaps in a game this season. No, they want him out there just to throw him the ball quickly. He has 24 targets in the slot this season Alvin or, or out wide. Alvin Kamara is number two among our running backs at only 16. Like, they are using J.D. McKissick in the most, like, fantasy-friendly receiving role ever while they have a guy that 
that they just drafted to be this exact player and it just got done being one of the most explosive wide receivers in the country at Memphis last season. So again, I would understand if McKissick was out there because he was just, you know, Gibson's a a liability in pass protection. They just couldn't run offense with him. But they're literally scheming up like bubbles out of the slot and just first read throws for McKissick that you could replace him with anyone, whether it's Gibson or whoever else, and they could be getting those targets. So absolutely perplexing. Uh, Gibson, you know, in terms of yards per reception, yards after the catch per reception, yards per outrun, he's been a better receiver than McKissick this year. So I'm not even trying to take away from McKissick too much. It's just absolutely wild to see an offense in 2020 revolve so much around McKissick when you got Terry McLaurin out there and you got Antonio Gibson uh, waiting in the rain. So, you know, with Alex Smith under center, this pains me to say, but we need to literally rank J.D. McKissick ahead of Antonio Gibson. I don't get it. You don't get it. Apparently Washington gets it. So, you know, this is the world we're living in. Hopefully they get Dwayne Haskins out there soon because, I mean, at what point, what are you doing with this guy? You're tanking his trade value. And before you show me the article talking about Dwayne, you know, bragging about his stats after that Ravens game, cool. Your organization leaked a report to further tank your, you know, 2019 first round picks value. So I don't know what they're doing there, but they're not going to be, you know, competing with Alex Smith under center, at least for very long. Figure out what you have with Haskins. I'm done talking about this team. Dwayne, what's up with the lines? That was incredible. <laughs> you packed that one full. I, I went off again on the uh, wave wire, man. I got to stop shitting on this team too hard, Dude, but it, it is it, what it is. <laughs> I, I know how to send Ian into an immediate tirade. All I have to do is say JD McKissick, <laughs> and it works. So, hey, not quite as bad on this side with DeAndre Swift, but still, you know, a player that we continue to see rotated with two other guys, Adrian Peterson, on Johnson. There was a little bit of hope, Ian, the week before that maybe Swift was truly taking over, you know, the role. He had had 62% of the snaps, 53% of the routes, um, and 50% of the rushing attempts in week eight. And then he followed that up to really fall back in line with where he's been. 40% of the snaps, 33% of the routes. He did continue um, from a rushing attempt standpoint, 50%. The solid you know, news for him this week is you get the number one matchup for running backs, you know, plus 8.8 fantasy points in a PPR format. Um, so Swift is a guy that you can you can definitely get into your lineups this weekend. You know, I still prefer him as an RB3, but if I got to have him in there as an RB2, um, you know, I'm willing to do that, you know, especially in this matchup. He's going to be good for 12 to 18 touches a week, you know, on his 50% of the attempts and 10 to 15% of the targets. You're just going to have to live with some of those weeks that it's the 12 touches. Hopefully on those weeks, like six of them are as a reception, right? And <laughs> not all due to rushing attempts, you know, where you kind of get – you know, you get the short end of the stick and the way that he gets his touches for fantasy points. You know, the only other thing I would say really with Detroit, you know, is it, it stinks this whole thing with Stafford. It's like every, I thought he was about to get going, Ian. You know, we had 340 yards and a touchdown, 333, 336 yards and three touchdowns. Then you have the issue in this game, 211 yards and one touchdown. You know, so it's like, I think you and I are both waiting. Can we please see the Lions offense from last, you know, from last season, you know, this vertical um, high flying attack. And I thought we were starting to see progress towards that. Now that doesn't mean that it's over, but I'm excited still for Stafford down the stretch, but I just hate to see the rhythm get interrupted. So I'm really hoping that he can play this weekend and get back on track. Um, TJ Hawkinson, man, (laughs) over the last four weeks, um, the dude, 17%, 19%, 17%, 24% of the targets. This is a spread it around offense. So I know 
know you probably folks are sitting there listening. Well, what does that mean? Like I'd rather have like 25, 30%. Of course you would. So would I, but in this offense, what's that mean? What that means is he's one of the top three targets, you know, so even whether Galladay's on the field or Galladay's not on the field, Hawkinson is squarely within their plans. You're going to deal with some variance because they do spread it around so much, but if they can continue to keep it going, I think Hawkinson's going to be in good shape and they look for him a lot down towards the end zone. Yeah, look, any quarterback's going to be worse without their wide receiver one, so we can cut Stafford a little bit of slack. But he's playing differently without Galladay, man. It's only three games all year that he's had under a double-digit average target depth have been to three games without Kenny G. So, yeah, tough to trust him, you know, as a high-end fantasy option until we see them, you know, get back those 2019 ways, as you said. Uh, Next game, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Carolina Panthers. Bucks opened up as six-point favorites. That is down to four-and-a-half. Put a little respect on the Panthers' name. Don't forget, everyone, they were, you know, a field goal away from potentially win that Chiefs game last week over under from at 47 is up to 50 and a half so you know this Buccaneers just debacle on Sunday night I think we're probably better off in the long run forgetting about it in terms of efficiency I know it happened a loss is a loss is a loss but look this Buccaneers team is still an incredible team on offense and defense we're going to see them have better days those better days were certainly not in week nine uh, but I think we could see it you know as early as this week but looking at the target distribution this was a weird game in that no one really got featured in the run or pass game on either side of the ball but you know in the first game with AB and everyone there we saw uh, Brady really distribute things evenly Mike Evans had six targets Godwin had six Gronk had six Fournette had six AB had five Ronald Jones four Scotty Miller three and Tyler Johnson one so the interesting parts were though because you know they end up kind of getting Evans going a little bit at the end but it wasn't much and they asked Bruce Arians about the targets and Arians said Mike Evans was open a bunch on Sunday he just didn't get targeted that's all Mike was open. So I think a little bit was that kind of him you know, trying to come back a little bit about, you know, Marshawn Lattimore and his coverage. I don't think Mike Evans has caught a pass on him since uh, 2018, which is absolutely wild. But, uh, you know, good for Marshawn uh, for getting that. Or no, I think it's that even 2017. It's their last, yeah, 2018. Either way, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, you know, has his way with them in coverage. But, you know, this is the kind of thing we've seen all season where uh, Bruce Arians' tone after week one, I believe, his quote was that, okay, when Mike doesn't get 10 targets, I'm, stick- I'm sick to my stomach. Well, Arians apparently been sick to his stomach all season long because they just have not gone out of their way to get Evans involved. He's been playing banged up. But more than anything, they just want to keep using him in this red zone vertical field stretcher role. With Chris Goblin, we see him as more of the low dot, you know, guy getting the screens. And, uh, you know, hey, Brady was thrown to him a little more often, I thought, down the field last week but I still think it's you know setting up all signs pointing to AB eventually taking over this offense as you know the quote-unquote true wide receiver one is that going to be you know too far removed from these other guys I don't think so but just in terms of which one of these wide receivers is going to be relied on underneath intermediate and deep areas of the field I think it's still lining up Antonio Brown don't be surprised if they have better success this week against Carolina pass rush that ranks just 24th uh, in pressure rate better days will be ahead for this passing game Dwayne quick thoughts on AB and then him with some Panthers. Yeah, man. Um, I think it's going to continue to be pretty evenly spread, right? That's really how they run their offense. But I mean, I could see a scenario where, you know, Brown leads them, you know, down the stretch. Um, my thought is it'll, it'll probably be, you know, kind of this 20%, 18%, 17%, 16% kind of thing spread across, you know, those three plus Gronkowski. Um, but I mean, you know, 
Brown's definitely got the big playability. We saw him get open on a few plays. We also saw that where you know he and Brady are probably not on the same page yet. I don't think they planned on having to be out there running the no huddle and having to do some of the things they had to do in comeback mode. Um, you know, AB probably wasn't quite ready for that, despite living and rooming with his buddy Tom Brady. I don't know if we should call it rooming. Like he probably lives in a complex that's like bigger than my block and your block together. It's probably not even. It's more like a neighbor, right? It's not it's like a great a roommate. <laughs> but um, yeah, as far as Carolina goes, man, what about Curtis Samuel? Uh, and I have to say honestly, you know, I'm in a ton of leagues, and this is a guy I dropped like three or four weeks ago, and his opportunities, so targets plus, right? His rushing attempts over the last several weeks, nine, nine, and twelve. Routes, 56%, 92%, 76%, um, you know, 20% of the targets, you know, over the last several weeks, you know, 12% of the attempts. So, I mean, this is a guy that they're just continuing to get involved. And that's despite, you know, the return of Christian McCaffrey, which is really the next topic. We don't know what's going to happen with the shoulder. You know, some are saying lean towards the doubtful side. I think it could be a true game time decision. But McCaffrey wasn't in his otherworldly, um, you know, realm of 95% of the snaps, right? 90% of the rushing attempts. Those those days may be gone with Mike Davis, but it was still plenty to get you to an RB2. You're not complaining. 37.5 points in a PPR format. Played 71% of the snaps, 61% of the routes, 23% of the targets. So you're going to be just fine with CMC. We just need him to be healthy. Uh, Mike Davis in his first week as a backup role. Now, he did pick up some, some you know, work late. I think CMC would have been more towards 75, 80% of the snaps had, you know, he not been injured and Davis got, you know, some of the work on the last drive. So Davis had 31% of the snaps, 32% of the routes, 14% of the targets. There wasn't a specific like niche role, niche role for him. Um, It was just, Hey, give CMC a breather. You know, we'll work in where we can, you know, he was RB 30. He's obviously a huge cuff. You know, you want to keep him intact if you can. Yeah, I think the pregame report was that they want to keep both guys fresh. They want to keep Christian McCaffrey fresh. And that means giving Mike Davis a few touches. That's fine. Not the same monstrous role. But, yes, if he's out there, he will continue to be treated as a weekly high-end RB1. Uh, next matchup, we got an NFC East showdown. Eagles at the Giants. My God, this whole division is such a dumpster fire. Eagles are three-point favorites, 44.5 game total. Eagles are finally getting healthy. Maybe, you know, this dumpster fire could be put out to some extent because, you know, early on in the year, Carson Wentz played awful. I, I know it's been still up down but truly the first three games were like some of the worst games we've ever seen from Carson Wentz and then everyone got hurt so we had a situation where we had a bad version of Wentz with nobody you know none of his good players active then the good version of Wentz mostly came back you know during that stretch where they started to pick up uh, some Wentz so hopefully the good version of Wentz is here to stay I know we didn't see him against the Cowboys last time out but coming out of the bye they're getting Miles Sanders back ideally Alshon Jeffrey we've got Jalen Rager and Dallas Goddard back from before so look this this is good but I just don't know how these wide receivers are necessarily going to shake out. My ideal, if I was running the Eagles for some reason, they gave me, gave me that power. I want Jalen Rager as the field stretcher, uh, Travis Fulgham as the big slot, and then we got uh, Alshon Jeffrey on the other side. And if you want to just bump Alshon Jeffrey to the curb, that's fine. But, you know, assuming that they're going to give him a little bit of that, hey, you've been here long enough, you're healthy, let's give you a chance uh, type of role. You know, I just don't want to see Jeffrey be the reason why Travis Fulgham leads the, leaves the field because I know Greg Ward's fine in the slot, but we cannot overstate how good this dude has been all season. The only guys with more yards per out run than Travis Fulgham this year, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Julio Jones, George Kittle, Alvin Kamara. Dwayne, those, those are some pretty good players, man. And then it's Travis Fulgham. So please, Eagles, I know you're getting your guys back, but don't forget about the guy that has helped you stay afloat uh, during your roughest stretches from this season. Uh, what's going on with the Giants, Dwayne? 
Yeah, man, the Giants are an offense that's also looking a little bit different. Now, not quite as many yards as what you're talking about with the Eagles, but they've really adapted. And over the last three weeks, they've really turned this into an offense that's you know funneled really through you know Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard. So here are their last three games. So here's Ingram, eight targets, eight targets, and nine targets. So that's 30, 21, and 29%. And then Shepard, eight targets, 10 targets, and seven targets. That's 30, 26%, and 23%. The cool thing about Shepard, like he's never really had this treatment in his life. Um, 34% of that is coming on play action, which is a plus 11% versus the NFL average for a wide receiver. Um, so he's getting some help from that. And then he's been a first read on 89% you know, of those targets. So Shepard is really asserting himself as the wide receiver one. Of course, this last week we were without, we were without Golden Tate, which actually helped Shepard some because that meant he got to kick inside into the slot. Um, on the plays where they went into 11 personnel. But the nice thing for Shepard, you know, is the fact that he's staying out there for all the plays. You know, he's not he's not just the slot receiver. That's really Golden Tate, if Golden Tate can get his act together. So it's nice to know that, that Shepard's out there continuously. And, and Daniel Jones hasn't been a world beater, but he's at least, you know, he's getting his passing yardage up into the 200s now. He's got an upside of a couple of touchdowns per week. But they, I think they're just settling in, you know, as an offense. The other thing I've noticed is 70 plays per game over the last three versus is 62 over the previous six. So that's up a little bit. And they have the seventh um, highest passing neutral rate, which is at 62%. So this is a team that's going to continue to throw it. Oftentimes they have to throw it because they're going to trail. But I think Ingram and Shepard are in for theirs. And then eventually, you know, Darius Slayton's going to get back in the mix, right? He he's he's still stretching the field. He's out there all the time. So if somebody drops Darius Slayton and you're in like a mid-size or deeper league, he's definitely a guy you don't want to leave out there because we know him and Daniel Jones have chemistry. We've seen them hit that deep ball and as teams have to start to respect this underneath game I think we're going to see bigger opportunities for Slayton to get some one-on-one and that's eventually going to pay off for him as well the season is in full swing and the action is still unfolding so head over to DraftKings Sportsbook America's top rated sportsbook app with so many storylines in both professional and collegiate sports this is the time to check out all that DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer if you haven't tried the app yet head to the app store now because you do not want to miss this people to celebrate Sunday's action DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to $100 that's right you bet they cover with risk free Sunday betting additionally this weekend there is plenty of action to get on so head to the app now to start making it rain. On top of those great sign-up offers, DraftKings offers great odds boosts every Sunday to help you make it rain. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Again, DraftKings Sportsbook is ensuring your Sunday bets up to $100. That's right, you bet, and they cover up to $100 when you use promo code PFF during sign-up. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So, must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Risk-free coverage paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Good stuff all around. Jaguars, Packers here up next. We have the Packers sitting as 13 and a half point favorites. Uh, you know, looking like the, I believe that is the steepest spread of the entire week. Uh, game total of 55 is down to 52. So Jaguars offense, Jake Luton era, 
could have been a lot worse, man. I mean, look, I, I don't think he's going to be scoring 20 fantasy points a game or anything like that. We got to keep in mind this was against the Houston Texans defense. That is, you know, hardly a unit that, you know, we would call good or anything like that. But, hey, he went out there and they look like a real-life NFL offense. And you can even say they look better than they did with, the, with Minshew. I mean, especially the banged-up version of Minshew we were seeing the past few weeks. I mean, that third play of the game, third and long, he sees single coverage and he throws a freaking dime for a 73-yard touchdown to DJ Chark. So, you know, Chark was kind of squeaky wheel guy coming into this game. I wondered if because Lutton, you know, in college just kind of resembled his advanced statistics, resembled that, you know, of a checkdown artist. I didn't know if that would mean LaVisca Chenault would maybe be the guy stepping up or not. But unfortunately, Chenault got the hamstring injury in that first quarter. So it had to, you know, if it wasn't already going to be Chark, it ended up being him uh, by default. But, you know, Chark is, is such a talented number one receiver. Anyway, I think he probably was going to always rise up in the top. It was just a question of, okay, could maybe Chenault also uh, butt his head in there off of, off of pure volume, but with that hamstring injury, not looking that way. So don't be afraid to go the well with DJ Chark, you know, in this matchup. He's probably going to draw Yair Alexander, but you know what? Yair, over the years, I think we have seen him be a little bit better when he can stick to, you know, a more agile wide receiver versus a type like DJ Chark that can, can just go up and get the ball even when he's covered. He's not because of that, uh, you know, contested catch ability that he does possess. So uh, don't be afraid to start DJ Chark this week, regardless of who is under center. And look, it's always James RB1 season, you know, even with Lutton under center. Some of the pass down work wasn't great. We only saw Robinson get the one target, but guys still had 25 carries. They are still continuing to treat him as the engine of this offense uh, through nine weeks. The only guys with more touches than James Robinson, Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, Josh Jacobs, Todd Gurley, Dave Montgomery, Dalvin Cook. That is it. Gotta love it. Continue to fire up Robinson as a top 10 RB. And also, DJ Chark, like I said, a top 20, top 24 option this week. Dwayne, what's going on with the A. Aaron and company? Yeah, just a couple of quick things on the yeah. Jaguars. So, Chark, 488 air yards over the Ooh. last three games, over the last three, and 33 targets. I mean, that puts him up there in the range with the true elites, like Travis Fulgham, the elites <laughs> of the world. <laughs> but that's, you know, you're getting up there into Devontae Adams territory, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, when you're seeing that kind of target share. Um, so I, you know, I think it's all systems go. I really don't care about the matchup with Chark because the other nice thing with him is even if he does get shut down a lot of the day, he's always capable of just popping the big one, right? One he play can just away. save your day with that. Um, real quick on Robinson, what was interesting is they were starting to really build up his long down and distance and, uh, you know, his two minute offense. And it looked like they were integrating him more and more and more into the passing game. Now, maybe this was something to do with, to your point, you know, Luton being in, um, but he saw 0% of the long down and distance. So that was the first, you know, week in a long time that he hasn't seen that. Now he was quite busy on the ground. So maybe they were really balancing it out, you know, from a total touches type, you know, standpoint this week. So again, I'm with you. I think he's still definitely in play. Just something I'll monitor, you know, I'll, I'll put in the utilization report, you know, for next week, if there's something else that we see there. Um, as far as, um, who, who am I on? <laughs> Uh, we are on the Packers. Packers, Packers yeah. Oh, man. Well, the Packers are so easy. That's why. Yeah, like, <laughs> it, here, you get the number four matchup for running backs this week. Obviously, you guys don't need me to tell you. You're starting Aaron Jones. You know, we'll see what happens, um, you know, as far as his, uh, you know, sharing with Jamal Williams and, you know, A.J. Dillon. We'll see what happens with those guys. But, you know, even though he may see a little bit more limited work from a snap and a attempts percent, and even from a routes ran versus other, you know, backs, what we know is when he is on the field, they love to get in the ball, right? So, um, you know, his averages for when he's on the field are higher than most backs. The only other thing I would mention with Green Bay, you know, obviously people know you're, if you've got Rodgers, you're pretty much starting him. Um, 
it's Robert Tanya, man. Just it sucks. You know, his his routes per drop back have dropped from 60 to 52 to 54 percent. He just isn't getting the looks now that Adams is back. And over the last four weeks, Adams targets 10, 14, 11 and 12. So this offense really runs, you know, through through uh, Adams as well as, you know, Jones. And so I think the tertiary players, you know, it's probably going to be hit or miss, you know, in the rest of the year. We could get Lazard back this week. You know, I know he's questionable to return. Um, MVS had a big play last week. But, you know, Lazard, maybe we could get something there. But it's really, this is a funnel offense. Like, it just goes through these two dudes. Yeah, I was about to ask you about Lozard. He has returned to practice. And I talked about him a little bit on the waiver wire pod is, hey, not the worst guy to grab, you know, especially with uh, him putting up the numbers he did early on. But uh, to your point, behind Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, man, it's always just up in the air as to who's going to be this week's, you know, complimentary option. But, you know, if there ever is a week to trust some of these guys, it is this one. Packers are implied for 33 points. No other offense is even at 30 in this week. Uh, Bills at Cardinals are our next matchup. We got the Cardinals opening up as two and a half point favorites. The game total has skyrocketed. Uh, some but some poor bookmaker set the opening game total at 49. That is all the way up to 56 now. So expecting fireworks out of Arizona. And that is in large part because we got Mr. Josh Allen, PFF's favorite quarterback, continuing to ball out. Look, I understand if you might be a non-believer out there and you don't think Josh Allen's going to be an elite real-life quarterback, but the book should already be, co- um, already be closed on what this guy brings as a fantasy option. When he returned from injury as a rookie, he was a QB1 during the final month of 2018. He was a QB6 last Last year and through nine weeks, he's the QB four in 2020. And this workload he has is just so fantasy friendly. It's volume, everyone. All we want in fantasy football is volume. And God forbid the guy is actually a good player. He'll make something happen with it. So Josh Allen is fifth in dropbacks, third in rush attempts out the position. And because of this, and because of Josh being so willing to one take off near the end zone and two throw down field to his heart's desire, uh, and he's got talent all, all around him. Obviously, we're seeing you know just these gaudy statistical totals. So the only guys this year with at least five games with 300 plus passes yards Joe Burrow Patrick Mahomes Russell Wilson and Josh Allen only guys with at least five rushing touchdowns inside the five yard line Dalvin Cook Derrick Henry Todd Gurley Cam Newton and Josh Allen guy is picking up tons of passing yards he's picking up all the goal line touchdowns continue to fire up Josh Allen as a weekly top five QB and just be happy he's on your team because this guy for better and for worse is so fun to watch and I am loving every bit of his performance so far in the 2020 season good to see him bounce back after a small down stretch but we all knew that was going to happen Dwayne what's going on with Kyler Murray maybe try not to you know simp him quite as bad as I did with Josh there but (laughs) well man it's hard not to I mean essentially I think what we have with Kyler Murray this year is last year's Lamar Jackson right as far as you know fantasy points obviously the way he's doing it is incredible because his upside's even higher why because he can have these three and four hundred yard passing days regularly Whereas with Jackson, that's more of an outlier. You hit a couple of big plays, you know, they're going to run the ball a lot and he's going to get his scoring there. So I, I, when I look at Kyler Murray, he's just, it, it's, you know, he's got to have one of the best floors, you know, in the NFL, as far as fantasy quarterbacks go, I actually just shouldn't, I wouldn't even say should have, he, he has the best floor because of his ability to, to hit 300 yards passing, to hit 75 to hundred yards rushing, you know, pretty much any game, like any game you walk into, you're like, Oh, that's possible. That's, Freaking amazing. You know, if you look at just his last three games, you know, in the game where he did, 
you know, against Dallas because he didn't really have to in the second half. 188 yards passing, but he still threw for two touchdowns. And then he came through with 74 yards rushing and a touchdown. Then he goes up against Seattle, 360 yards passing, three touchdowns, 67 yards rushing, one touchdown on the ground. And then against Miami, 283, which Miami's defense has been playing a lot better. So 283 yards, three touchdowns, but 106 yards, man, on the ground and one touchdown. I'm a proud owner of Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray in the Scott Fishbowl. And the rest of my team sucks, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Those two dudes are carrying the whole thing. So keep it up, guys. Um, you know, it, like you mentioned around, um, you know, Josh Allen, you know, the other thing is when they're inside the five, they're going to Kyler a lot. 36% of their attempts inside the five. So design rushing attempts are going to Kyler Murray, which is first on the team. Um, and he owns 22% of the design running plays on the team. So this is a guy definitely, you guys know, you're going to have him in the lineup. <laughs> I just had to give him some love. Uh, real quick. So I know a lot of folks early in the season or before the season were worried, you know, well, what's going to happen with DeAndre Hopkins playing in this offense? It's much more of a spread it out offense under Cliff Kingsbury, you know, and could he be in trouble? And so there's, I don't think he's in trouble, but it's definitely slowed down a little bit. So over the first four games, 47 targets for Hopkins, 34%, right, of the targets. Over the last four games, it's 34 targets, and it's down to 26%. Still a good number when you're playing with Kyler Murray. You're in a team that runs hurry up more than any other uh, team, so you're going to see plenty of plays. And this is really more where I thought I would see Hopkins still contend to be in the top three wide receivers, but more because of the pace of play that we would see and the quality of the offense improving. So we'll see. I mean, these things kind of go up and down, but you're seeing Christian Kirk get a little more involved. Larry Fitzgerald's a little more involved, whereas those guys were at 12 and 14% of the targets over the first four weeks. Now they're at 17% and 18%. So of course you have Andy Isabella who will work in some, and then you have Chase Edmonds who's been at 14% and 12% respectively across those two groups. So they are spreading in, spreading in around a little bit you know Hopkins obviously still a wide receiver one for you every week but I think that the, the other thing is it's just getting these other guys in play you know right now over the last several weeks I mean you're happy to have Christian Kirk in your lineup pretty much every week yeah Christian Kirk really impressed me a guy that you know I was I've just been a little bit lower than consensus on over the past couple of years but man uh, I think I was saying on the broadcast like there's a difference between a kind of track speed and what you're doing in the 40 and what you can do on the field that guy can fly with a pair of shoulder pads on and Kyler man nobody throws a prettier deep ball uh, when he is on right uh, next matchup here we got the Chargers at the Dolphins Miami is a three-point favorite holding steady uh, game total of 49 and a half is down to 48 so I have a bad feeling that this is the Justin Herbert rookie floor game that at some point probably has to come maybe not though because honestly this has been the most productive rookie QB that we have ever seen in fantasy football and we've seen some great ones over the years but 24.3 fantasy points per game people again most ever by a rookie QB that's better than 2017 Deshaun Watson better than 2011 Cam Newton better than 2012 RG3 the fifth guy is 2020 Joe Burrow so it's a situation where both these quarterbacks have been highly productive more so than we ever could have dreamed and because of that they've both been you know season long QB ones and I would expect them to continue continue to be more weeks than not but again just there's going to be a floor at some point man we see it with rookies all, all the time and now with them going from LA all the way to Miami to face a secondary that we have just seen come alive ever since Byron Jones uh, was doing his thing one of the best defenses in the league at pressuring the quarterback and we know with Herbert uh, you know he has been so great under pressure this year but that is one of those stats that we can see uh, go up and down when the sample size you know grows a little bit larger so hope I'm wrong and Herbert hey he's got at least 300 yards and or three touchdowns and every start this 
this year. QB five in fantasy points per game. Like you're firing him up. I've been ranked as my number seven QB, but you know, this is not the week to go to him in DFS. Maybe not the week to expect quite as much in terms of a ceiling game. So we'll see. But uh, you know, if I'm right, heard it here first and forget about me trying to uh, back up and, you know, maybe not go all in on the takes. I love my guy, Justin Herbert, but it's a tough matchup here. No doubt about that. What's going on with the Dolphins, Dwayne? Well, speaking of rookie quarterbacks, we've got Tua in his second start, and it was a very different game script. And the good news is they did, they let him cut it loose. 64% of the time they were dropping back to pass versus the week before just due to special teams and the defensive touchdowns. I mean, they just didn't need to do anything against the Rams. you know. So you saw a drop back rate of 49%, which is obviously really low. So it was good to see that they were willing to let Tua drop back, just try to get things done. 248 yards passing, two touchdowns. But he also added 35 yards on the ground. Not really known despite, you know, being athletic as being a guy that's going to run the ball. Uh, who knows? Maybe he was watching Kyler Murray and he's just like, I can do a little bit of that. I'm not <laughs> Kyler Murray. But, you know, he, if you even notice, he was like kind of trying to put some moves on some dudes. If you were watching the game, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm just going to run and slide. So I thought that was interesting. He must be really confident, you know, in the hip. Um, the other thing I would say, you know, with the with the Dolphins is that we were a little bit concerned, right? What's going to happen to the targets around Tua if they become more conservative? And I think we can say we're over that now. Devontae Parker, um, you know, over the last two weeks, 26% and 28% of the targets, 35 and 31% of the air yards, um, first reads, 100%. 100% of his targets on the on the first read, and then 86%. And then a new added wrinkle with Tua, they're actually using play action more, which is just, we've talked about that plenty. It's an added benefit for Parker. So over the last two weeks, 43% and 33% of his passes coming on play action. So they're starting to do some different things with Parker, and they're wanting Preston Williams to work more outside. We'll see what happens with Williams. You know, he got hurt in this game. He was off to a very, very nice start as well. Tua seemed very dialed, dialed in. The guy that still just appears to be lost in the shuffle, Manny, He's out there enough. He's running the routes. He's waving his hand, saying he's open. But Mike Gusecki, I, I don't know what to say to you guys. Um, you know, all of his underlying, you know, supporting stats are great. He's just not being targeted for whatever reason. They don't want to throw him the ball or the other teams are trying to take Gasicki away. And they're saying, fine, we want to force you to go outside. So he's a guy that if you got to put him on the wire, I guess you can. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised, Ian, if all of a sudden it, we, we, you know, I'm back on in two weeks. They're like, wow, Mike Gasicki's a top six, a top six tight end over the last two weeks. That's just how these things go. And we've already seen it play that way, you know, with, um, you know, tight ends a couple of times this year, guys that we just kind of dumped, discarded, Gronk comes to mind. Oh, if Gronk can't do it in this week and everybody's hurt, we're just going to get rid of him. Then all of a sudden he comes back the next week when everybody's healthy and it's like, oh, Gronk's the leading target, you know, guy on the team. So you know how these things work. Yeah, man, I was, you know, when that Isaiah Ford trade happened, I I was happy purely because of Mike Jasicki thinking that he could, you know, now just be the full-time undisputed slot. And we did see a 70% snap rate, which was his highest since week one. So I would hold him for another week. But to your point, uh, you know, this certainly is trending towards a run-first offense. And, you know, Depart Parker's going to be a number one guy. We don't even know if there's going to be really enough there to support, you know, a high-end uh, number two option in the passing game. Uh, next matchup here, Broncos at the Raiders. Uh, Raiders open up as four-point favorites. That's up to five-and-a-half game totals up from 51 to 52. So that's what we'll talk about Jerry Judy because he's been someone that, you know, really hasn't had a big game yet this year until until last week, I should say. He didn't have a big game until last week, but you just you can just tell from watching this guy, man. I mean, no one, no rookie in the league, I don't think, this year has shown just the sort of route-running chops this dude has. And this touchdown, uh, you know, is, is he had that touchdown against the Jets where he mossed the guy, but come on, like it was more or less just an awful play by the defender. His touchdown in Week 9 was like the epitome of what makes this dude so freaking good. 
good. He was running down the right sideline. He put his hand up in the air like Randy Moss freaking did for years saying, hey, I'm going deep. Cornerback thinks he's going deep. All of a sudden breaks it off, catches the ball, and finds his way into the end zone. So just truly the most advanced route runner we've seen out of this class, PFS Mike Renner told you so before the draft and couldn't believe he slipped as far as he did. And I think now we are going to see him truly come out and break out the rest of this year. He's had 10, he had 10 targets in week eight, not, uh, 14 targets in week nine. Tim Patrick was has been back. Does not matter. Jerry Judy is the number one wide receiver with the Broncos. I think he's going to be at minimal, man, upside wide receiver three the rest of the way. You know, you were firing him up as a borderline wide receiver two this week against the Raiders. After that, we got the Dolphins, which isn't great, but closing things out we got the Saints Chiefs Panthers Bills and Chargers not saying all those offense all those defenses are you know cakewalks or anything like that but at, the, at a minimum they got great offenses which should force Drew Locke and company to keep their foot on the gas and you know say we will about Drew Locke but the guy at least knows how to put up points in garbage time when they are behind and I think the majority of those points will be going to Jerry Judy so if he's somehow out there on the waiver wire or, you know you have a chance to scoop him up this week after the big game go get him because again I do not think that week nine uh, you know is the only time this year we're going to see Judy go for over 100 and a score. Dwayne, what's going on with uh, my guy, Derek Carr and the Raiders? Yeah, man, quick thing on Judy. If you read the utilization report, you've already picked him up. But this last week, man, so over the last two weeks, eight targets of 20 plus yards or more. That's insane, you know, and he's, he's working to your point. He's working all areas of the field. I'm with you. I, I mean, I think he's right there in the wide, re- wide receiver two mix the rest of the way, just because his game can really be applied to so many different things. You know, he can get open via speed. He can get open via separation. You know, you can move him into the slot. There's just so many things that you can do with him, um, you know, and he's getting great matchups, you know, so for uh, 42% of his targets are coming with a linebacker or safety in Ooh. primary coverage, which is almost uh, versus the league average. The league average is uh, 29%. So he's 14% above the league average. So uh, one other guy, just real quick up for folks. Hey, keep an eye on Hamler who is getting more involved. He's been running out of the slot. We know he has some big play upside as well, um, but you guys can read the utilization report if you want to know more about KJ Hamler. Um, as far as who am I on again, dude? I do this every time. Like, hey, you good, man. Hey, anytime you can give KJ Handler some love, you got to do it. You're on the Raiders, though. Yeah, I'm on the Raiders. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, as far as the Raiders go, um, you know, this is a team that you know, I think the last time we were on, we're like, man, look at Derek Carr. He's right there in the conversation. You could almost think he's a quarterback one. Well, then John Gruden does like his John Gruden thing, you know, and he just wants to run the ball more. Um, I think Gruden has shown us, like, he wants to control the game. He's not really interested in running a bunch of plays. He'll win as dirty as he can win. He he doesn't need to be pretty in his wins, and that's obviously affecting the team some. So the guy you know that I would mention here for the Raiders, really, you know, it all just ties back to Josh Jacobs. And with Josh Jacobs, you know, early on we were seeing you know um, the opportunity, kind of like Robinson with Jacksonville. He was getting so much, you know, of the work on the ground that it really didn't matter, right? He was seeing eighty. 85%, 90% of the carries. Well, then when you look at the last few weeks, um, you know, 45% and 58% of rushing attempts. And so what that's doing is he, he, you're still going to start the guy every week, but it just, it just makes his swings larger, right? Because now you got Devontae Booker, who they've just, whatever reason, you got to get him involved. He scored a touchdown last week, so they're going to continue to reward him. You got three guys involved. You got Richard involved. Um, you've got Booker involved and you've got Jacobs. The most disappointing thing is early on in the season, even though he wasn't getting a ton of long down and distance and two minute work over the last couple of weeks, that has just totally evaporated. 
0% of the long down and distance or the two-minute work over the last two games. So Jacobs is just in a situation where he's going to have to do it on the ground. And even then, his upside's limited because they want to get Booker involved. So if you're a Josh Jacobs owner, again, like I said, you're going to start him every week. you got to fire it up. But you know the upside's not quite what it was, and the floor is a little bit lower. So just adjust your expectations if you can sell high, and again, these things change, folks. Like Booker gets hurt, all of a sudden, boom, back in business. You know, coach changes his mind in three weeks from now, boom, RB1. So you got to keep those things in mind. But this is a trend that has been building with Jacob. So if you can get something out of the name value, and again, guys, don't go give him away. But if you can get something really good back in return for him, and so many people are hurting at running back, and it makes sense for your roster, he's a guy that I wouldn't mind moving. Yeah, I don't get the fascination with Booker on the ground. We saw him in Denver. They used him as a freaking receiving back, man. This guy only had 36 rush attempts in his final 32 games with the Broncos. He already has 33 in eight games a season. To his credit, I mean, he's averaging 6.8 yards per carry. He had a you know easy enough touchdown last week. He's not screwing up with the opportunity or anything. But yes, you know, with a talent like Jacobs, we would certainly prefer if he was getting you know closer to 100% of that backfield's carries. Uh, next matchup here, we got four more. Thank you all as always for listening to the PFF Fantasy Football. Football podcast where we got the Seahawks at the Rams. The Rams opened up as two point favorites. We have seen the game total rise from 53 and a half to 55 and a half. So, you know, just with Russell Wilson and Seahawks offense, we know what we're getting. It's Russ, Metcalf, Lockett. You're firing them all up. I understand we've had, you know, these recent weeks where it's either Metcalf or Lockett, but, you know, take a step back. Metcalf has literally had one dud all season. That just also happened to be when Tyler Lockett went nuclear against the Arizona Cardinals. And last week should have been the game, I think, that we saw, you know, both these guys get back to producing uh, in the same game like we saw for most of the first month of the season. Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett almost painted their masterpiece on this like 30-35 yard play but Russ was pretty much flat-footed like jumping back, lofted one all the way across the field and Lockett he's got hands on it but it looked like uh, he was in the corner of the end zone with the sun. I'm not sure if it got in his eyes or what happened but just missed that and then another play Lockett did catch the ball and he got down at the one yard line. So again, don't don't be you know getting too cute and trying to you know bench Tyler Lockett because you think it's a DK Metcalf game. I hope you know I hope you're laughing at me for saying that's dumb. But even if I help one of you not make that grave 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 mistake, that's enough for me. So please, for the love of God, keep both these guys in your lineups at all times because you know what? With the Seahawks, man, it's just one shootout after another. They are first in points per game and they are 30th in points per game against. That's a 29 spot difference. The only other team, the next closest team with a difference like that where you have a great offense and a bad defense is the Packers and they're at 14 that's their ranking difference so literally double the ranking difference of the next you know most just you know severely better offensive team it's been great for fantasy it's been great for this passing game but you know it's Russ Lockett, Metcalf, if you want to have David Moore on the bench, you know, talk about him in the waiver wire pod a little bit, you know, there's worse guys to have in this offense, but, you know, in terms of the running backs right now, Travis Homer came back and muddled this thing up. We're seeing DJ Dallas still, uh, and, and, you know, it's just a situation where we can't uh, have any confidence with these guys because even double-digit touches would be doable in this offense, you know, as like an RB3 or something, but we got Alex Collins there, so if it's Homer, Dallas, and Collins again, I'm pretty much out on all those guys. If Carlos Hyde comes back, we can treat him as an RB2, and Carson's obviously an RB1, but 
Also, don't sleep on Rashad Penny, everybody. He had some tweets coming out today about, you know, he didn't say anything specific, but did seem like, you know, he, he is uh, getting a little bit closer to coming back. And last year, uh, Chris Carson was a guy that, you know, when Penny was healthy, uh, he was also splitting those reps uh, with, with Carson. So, you know, to your point, Josh Jacobs, someone you could potentially consider selling high on. Chris Carson is one of these guys where we don't know how the health is going. And with Penny coming back, might not be a bad idea if people are still, you know, treating him as a true RB1. So, uh, like you said, don't give him away but i uh, just realized you know while russ lockett and metcalf we know we're getting there backfield continues to be far less certain uh Dwayne, what's going on with the rams in this just again nirvana of a fantasy matchup <laughs> yeah man well it is a cooper cup week if that counts for anything you know there we go so so it's a dk metcalf a tyler lockett a cooper cup let's throw robert woods in there it's a, you know all the receivers, you're, you're getting them all in in this game. But with Cup, what's interesting is, you know, if you look at his two biggest games of the season, week three and then week eight, they trailed 88% of the snaps in week three, 81% of the snaps in week eight. And he had 92 and 98% route run rates in those games. He had 10 and 19 targets. So really not a ton more that I need to touch on with the Rams. Everybody knows we're talking about a three-headed monster in the backfield um, you know, I think we're going to continue to see that, you know, I know that, you know, it's something where we hope to see a little bit more work for acres, but honestly, I just want to see him give it to one dude, you know, and let that guy run with it. I don't think that's going to happen at this point. So that's something you're steering clear of. And then Tyler Higby, man, talk about an all time low Ian, 36% of the routes in the last game out. Like that's, that's that we're getting into, I don't want to bring up any, you know, old stuff, but we're getting into Chris Herndon territory. Oh, Ian. Oh. <laughs> I was finally recovering doing that. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, man. That is not. I mean, he had that three touchdown game early on to kind of keep everyone on the train, but it has just been rough ever yep. since then. The only thing I would say uh, with that, Daryl Henderson, he had the thigh injury. He had a whole bye week to get better. I would imagine yeah. he's okay, but that is one of the more key injuries to watch because to your point, it does look like a three headed monster. I'd be surprised if Akers, you know, continues to see so little usage here moving forward. But Henderson is out, then maybe we can get behind one of these guys. Uh, next matchup, we got the Bengals at the Steelers. Not seeing lines up at the moment, kind of with the uncertainty around Big Ben's knee issues, but uh, we still got plenty to talk about here. So with the Bengals, look, Joe Burrow, ultimately, he's winning with volume. He's been good, but it's a situation where the offensive line has been so bad, we haven't seen a ton of separation from the receivers, which is a negative unless we're talking about Auden Tate. If you use that as a negative, shut your mouth because he catches everything th- thrown to him. But anyway, uh, with Burrow this year, look, we've seen 41 QBs have at least 50 dropbacks. Like, kept clean, under pressure. He's not top 20 in yards per attempt, QB rating, or adjusted completion rate. Again, volume. That's what we care about in fantasy football. And the fact that Burrow has given us a little bit of a rushing floor, which he also did at LSU, has helped matters. So, you know, I, I've said this with Burrow, even going back to kind of that Ravens game that really uh, just stunk them earlier in the year. But there's three games this year where we can't use, or four games. There's week one against the Chargers. There's a Ravens game. There's this, there's this Steelers game. And they play the Steelers again in week 15. So I'm sitting Burrow this week. He is a QB. You know, I think I got him in my 17. So two QB leagues, okay, you're firing him up there. But look, pressure has been the kryptonite of this Bengals offense, and nobody is better at providing pressure on a more consistent basis than the Pittsburgh Steelers. So sit him this week. If Joe Mixon's back, if Giovanni Bernard's still the guy, I get it. You know, you're just playing them for the volume. But for me, it's just impossible to expect, you know, anything in ways of, you know, a big performance out of this Bengals offense. Dwayne, what's going on with the Steelers? Yeah, well, obviously with the Steelers, we're going to be watching, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. Let's see what's going on with his knees. He's also on the COVID list. So if he is out of the game, we all know what Mason Rudolph looks like, and it's not great. So that's going to lower the floors here for everyone. 
Um, and it's just a spread out, you know, attack. Um, and, and I think the nice thing here for, you know, Chase Claypool's 89% of the routes, 69% of the routes, 84% of the routes, 87% of the routes. So James Washington is basically an afterthought at this point. So it really is about Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, and then Deontay Johnson. So I, I think that's nice. They're going to battle it out every week, man. <laughs> you know, as far as who's going to be the lead guy, who's going to have the big plays. Any one of them is capable of coming up, you know, with that play. And we've also seen that the Steelers are willing to slow things down and not really go, uh, you know, heavy in the passing game. If, you know, they're winning and they're leaning on their defense, you know, they've they've been willing to just kind of sit on leads in the second half. So that's always, you know, a potential to happen. I think the biggest thing here is, you know, what in the world? Everybody and their mom thought, this is my week for James Conner. Playing against the Dallas Cowboys, get him in there. He's going to see 20 to 25 carries. You know, he's got two touchdowns, 125, 150-yard upside. None of that played out, right? The Cowboys defense came in, played inspired. You know, they had a good game plan, and they shut things down early. And, you know, we were talking about this before the show, Ian, and you actually found this, not me. You know, 20 of their snaps came in empty, personnel. So it wasn't like this work from James Conner was really going elsewhere, right? His snaps did go down from 58 to 46%, but not because another back was really more involved. Jalen Samuels over the last three weeks, 13%, 13%, 15%. So he's up two. You know, Benny Snell, 8% and 7%, basically the same. And then you had 12% go to Anthony McFarlane. But when you really break that down, you know, and you look at how many snaps, that's eight snaps. So McFarlane picked up three or four extra snaps this last game. It was really more about the style of play, uh, you know, the Steelers, we haven't seen them really in this mode where they have to be in comeback mode pretty much the whole game. You know, Dallas, I don't want to say comeback like they were getting blown out, but they trailed, you know, far more than they have any other time this year. So with the Steelers, obviously, like I said, keep an eye on Ben Roethlisberger. I think James Conner's fine. This was a situation where this game script just kind of got in the way. And we saw a wrinkle. So there's there's a chink in the armor, right? If they decide to go heavy in the passing game, just, just keep this in mind as we move into matchups in the future where we think we may have a shootout or if we think the Steelers have a chance to trail, just something to keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, 100%. If anything with James Conner, it's just, you know, it, it's a reminder that he doesn't have that, you know, just top five workhorse, doesn't matter what the game script is type role. It seemed like he was getting back to that, you know, a couple weeks ago, really, uh, you know, week six, week seven, uh, that kind of range. But if they're just going to really go to empty if a game gets, uh, you know, even a little bit out of hand that often, it is going to hurt, you know, his uh, target floor. So a uh, quick shout out to our sponsors over at Monkey Knife Fight, all first time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight that put at least 20 bucks in their account while using promo code PFF or receive a free PFF. Up Edge and subscription. That's a $40 value, people, for just 20 bucks. And you'll get the opportunity to turn that 20 bucks into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the USA and Monkey Knife Fight. So go to Monkey Knife Fight, deposit your $20 with code, promo code PFF today, and receive your free PFF Edge and subscription. Check out the utilization report, check out the mismatch manifesto. You, you'll just be rolling in so much money, and all because of the fine folks at Monkey Knife Fight. So thank you to them. Uh, two more matchups here to go over. We are officially two the night games, everybody. Um, actually, three more matchups. I'm lying to you. So uh, 49ers, at Saints right here. We got the Saints opened up at 6.5-point uh, favorites. That is up to 9. 53.5 game total is down to 50. So with the 49ers, every single wide receiver, you know, is seemingly just absurdly banged up. Richie James went the hell off. That's awesome. 
it's very iffy if he's going to be able to do that again. I think a lot of that production last week was, you know, one designed by Shanny, but I think it also just put him in a situation where when they lost all those receivers that close to game time, I think they just more or less had to kind of do what they had with Brandon Ayuk, give give that role that they had planned for him to Richie James. And hey, he made the most of it, but, you know, just a little bit iffy to kind of expect him to be as consistent wide receiver two moving forward. This whole 49ers offense is just getting to the point where, you know, Mullen seems like he's a couple more bad quarters away from being benched. Uh, you know, the offensive line just is struggling to kind of stay uh, together. They're just so at a loss of skill position talent all over the field that there's an issue. So I think the one guy that we can kind of rely on, though, is Jarek McKinnon because, you know, tired legs or not, Kyle Shanahan does not want to give Jermichael Hasey this featured role. He continues to play, you know, Jeff Wilson, Tevin Coleman, whatever, you know, incumbent backup he has, they're going to play him over Hasey, and that just is the reality we're living in. So McKinnon, in three starts this year, he's had 17, 21, 15 touches. He's had PPR, RB14. RB6 and most recently RB8 performances. That's great. I'm not going to be ranking him inside my top 15 backs, but he does firmly belong in the RB2 conversation. So not a good matchup. The Saints are third in yards before contact allowed per rush. But you know what? Like this is still the starting running back for a coach whose last name is Shanahan. We know what he can do in the passing game. Don't be afraid. Treat Jarek McCann as a top 20 option at the position this week. Dwayne, him with some Saints goodness. Yeah, man, the Saints are a tough one to really look at this week because they led 52 of their 60 snaps. So it's hard to tell, like, <laughs> really what what is the plan? You know, now the cool thing about the Saints is we, do, we already know what the plan is, right? But as far as, you know, Michael Thomas coming back, uh, what I like to do is in a situation like this is go back and look at the first quarter, right? Look at the second quarter. And, you know, thanks to some of the cool things that we have at PFF, we can easily just pivot that stuff and go anywhere we want. So I just was pulling that up as we were sitting here talking. Uh, so a of the 12 uh, passing plays in the first quarter, Michael Thomas was on the field. If you look at his end of the game stats, you know, his snap rate and his route rates were much lower than that, but it's just because there was a blowout. You know, he's going to be right back into his usual role. He's going to be a top end wide receiver one, should continue to get healthier and healthier. You guys don't need me to tell you about Alvin Kamara. The other guy that's interesting that I really do like is Emmanuel Sanders. What was interesting is Traquan Smith continues to work ahead of him in two wide receiver sets and Sanders not getting on the field until three wide and at that point Sanders kicks outside for the most part and Traquan's you know kicking into the slot but Sanders man he's just he brings a different element to this offense because you know where you know Michael Thomas is a really good player a lot of it is schemed up for him whereas Emmanuel Sanders can beat man-on-man coverage really anywhere on the field it can be on a dig it can be you know on a go route it can be you know on you know a double move like he's really good at setting up his opponents and we're seeing that he and Drew Brees you know, they're getting more and more and more in sync. So I think Sanders is still going to be in that wide receiver three range, even if he's only getting on the field in the three wide sets, just because he and Drew Brees seem to see, seem to really be getting on the same page. I'll be interested to see if Traquan can really hold off Sanders, given the difference he can make in the offense. And also the fact that Jared Cook, man, just continues to, you know, blow opportunities. You know, I mean, he had the two worst plays of that game, you know, for the Saints. He's, he's, he's not out there quite enough from a routes per dropback standpoint, you know, to up to where I like to see my tight ends in the 70 and 75% all the time. He occasionally hits that, but there's also also the weeks where he'll be at 50%. And then you see Adam Troutman all of a sudden getting more involved. So Cook really has a down arrow next, you know, to his name for me, you know, Ian, I think, you know, he still can be a tight end fringe, a, a fringe tight end one, you know, in 12, 14, you know, people formats, you know, you may be playing the matchups type of thing. Um, but he's not a guy that, you know, I'm really just, you know, loving owning and plugging in, into my lineup every week. But Michael Thomas, obviously, is, I think is going to be all systems go. Did you see anything different with Thomas? 
No, I think you're right on. Look, it's Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and we wondered if uh, it'd be Emmanuel Sanders or Jared Cook, you know, before a season. Certainly seems like the arrow is pointing firmly in Emmanuel Sanders' direction. Uh, Sunday night matchup here. We've got the Baltimore Ravens at the New England Patriots. Ravens are six and a half point favorites. We've seen the game total rise from 40 and a half up to 43 and a half. So Lamar Jackson, not been, you know, the exactly season we were hoping for. Still the QB 11 overall and, you know, also the QB 11 fantasy points per game. But come on, you drafting this guy to be the number one overall QB and keep up that historic pace he had last year. I would just say, you know, relax a little bit. It's not like you're going to be able to really trade him and get too much of a return back. So if you're blessed enough to have, you know, one of these top five, top six quarterbacks, like, you know, your Kyler, Kyler Murray, your Patrick Mahomes, your Josh Allen, I get it. You're going to be starting him over Lamar, but I still think we need to give him the benefit of the doubt in upside QB1 treatment more weeks than not. And don't, don't give this Patriots defense, you know, the usual respect that we've been seeing. If, if, if you did not watch that Jets game, I mean, that kind of told us what we've been seeing over these past few weeks with this defense I mean they just have so many injuries guys banged up not playing they lost you know so many guys in the front seven to on the COVID off that was before the season that now that I think we're seeing you know another round of injuries get them it's not even that they're on their backups now they're just on the you know whoever the hell they can find off the street so only the Falcons Bengals and Lions have allowed a higher explosive pass play rate against this season than the New England Patriots. The secondary is no longer a strength, and we saw that, you know, repeatedly with Joe Flacco making big plays down the field. So, you know, I really thought that Marquise Hollywood Brown's squeaky wheel spot was going to be last week, but if it's ever going to happen, it could somehow surprisingly come against this uh, Bill Belichick coach New England Patriots secondary. We'll see, and I think, you know, Lamar, hey, either way, he's going to have the rushing upside. The Patriots couldn't really do anything against him last year. He had 16 rush attempts, 61 yards, and two scores on the ground. But look, even if Belichick, you know, just reemerges, and I'm not saying he's gone anywhere. Again, I think it's more of a talent issue in New England than anything. But you know, if he comes up with you know a typical Belichick, awesome game plan, shuts down Lamar again, we're gonna have better days ahead because after this we got Titans, Steelers, that's tough, and then the Cowboys, Browns, Jaguars, and Giants up until Championship Sunday. So you know, could be could be rough sledding a little bit here in November still, but I think in December, if Lamar Jackson is your fantasy football quarterback, you are gonna be a happy person, uh, Dwayne. What is up with Cam Newton and company? I I have two words, Jacoby Myers. I mean, <laughs> it's like he's the entire offense. That's it. All right. No, <laughs> but no seriously, I really don't have a lot more. 14 targets, uh, you know, in that game, 12 receptions, 169 yards. It's very clear that Newton's just locked onto the dude, you know. Um, you know, he's going to him every chance he can. Um, and, you know, hey, to Myers' credit, you know, he flashed a little bit last year. We saw some things early in the season, and I think the Patriots may have something. You know, he's another one of these former quarterback players, um, you know, coming out of college. You know, he played quarterback, you know, before, and now they're moving him into the slot, moving him all around. You know, we've seen them do that with multiple players, and, and they, they may have hit on something. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Cam Newton, though. Um, you know, the Patriots did win. They managed to stay alive, but to your point, barely, right, against the Jets. They can't really lean on their defense anymore. Um, so I, I think the backfield's a mess, <laughs> you know, like it, like it's always been, you know, and I've, I've kind of told folks that, you know, look, if you're excited about Damian Harris, tell me that you were also excited about Sony Michelle before, because it's essentially the same thing. You're going to get it. 35 to 50% of the attempts, but in any kind of weird game script, basically you get erased. Um, Rex Burkhead still gets far more of the work down inside the 10 and inside the 20 yard line. James White's always going to be, you know, a factor if it's in a game, you know, where they're trailing or long down and distance situations. There's just so many different variables to trying to pin down, which really any of these backs that you're going to start, but outside of Jacoby Myers and maybe Cam Newton, if I had to on a buy, I really don't even want Cam Newton in my lineup. I mean, 
I don't know of another player on the Patriots that I want to own, Ian, unless we're playing a showdown matchup. It's rough, man. We just need Cam to keep existing in, in that, you know, that one to two second range between getting the snap inside the five yard line and finding a way to put that ball across the plane. Uh, yeah, rough stuff there, man, for everyone except Cam and Jacoby Myers. It's, it's wild that Jacoby had that, his game was so big that no one is even concerned about the, you know, 72 yard touchdown that Cam overthrew to him where he broke open downfield. I mean, he could have gone for like 240 yards and an extra score, but, you know, we I'm sure fantasy managers are not, uh, not complaining too much after that performance last game here everyone thank you for sticking around as always monday night football we got the minnesota vikings at the chicago bears bears opened as two-point favorites that has swung all the way over to the vikings and now sitting as three-point favorites so the over under 46 and a half that is down to 44 and a half and look it's dalvin cook's world we're all just living in it in his last four healthy games you know he got injured in i believe it was week five but last four healthy games he's had 181 rushing yards in a touchdown 130 rushing yards and two touchdowns 163 yards and three touchdowns most recently 206 yards and two touchdowns two catches in every game he's had 46 receiving yards and 63 receiving yards and another score over these past two weeks you add it all together and we have ppr rb5 rb2 and back-to-back rb1 finishes so look man i set my ranks usually like wednesday morning uh before 9 a.m and you know okay sometimes 9 30 chill out everyone but uh with this situation i i told myself a couple weeks ago that alvin kamara was going to be you know even with mccaffrey coming back the overall RB1 down the stretch. Now I'm starting to wonder, should it be Dalvin Cook here moving forward? So, hey, you know, obviously we're all starting Dalvin Cook, but, you know, just thinking in the grander scheme of things, you know, whether we would want Dalvin Cook versus Alvin Kamara moving forward, you know, great problem for anyone uh, to have out there if that really is a, you know, question on people's minds. But I think it is a conversation. Just, you know, Gary Kubiak's RB1 has always been a freaking cheat code. And now in this matchup, man, not quite as tough, I think, as people maybe think it is. I understand the Bears, you know, were able to defang Derrick Henry last week, and that's great, but this defense hasn't exactly been locked down against the run all season. Specifically, uh, you know, we've seen them really allow just some big plays on the ground, and I, it was, again, it was surprising Derrick Henry didn't go off. I had quite a bit of money in GPP sticking he would go off, so I'm not happy about it either, but literally only the Bengals have allowed a higher explosive play rate on the ground than the Bears this season, so haven't been all that great in yards before contact allowed per carry, too. Don't be surprised if Dalvin Cook keeps on keeping on against this Bears defense. Dwayne, is Dalvin Cook your RB1 this week? And then him with some Bears. Yeah, dude. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Dal Cook is like, it, it. yeah, you can't go wrong with it at this point. But, you know, if you own Kamara, if McCaffrey manages to be healthy, it's it, it's those three guys clearly, right, at yep. the top of the heap because they're just involved in every aspect, right, of their team's game. Uh, Cook, it's to your point, man, it's just so explosive. Like, he's just, you know, he's on fire right now. As far as the Bears go, um, you know, we've really seen their offense start to make a transition really more, uh, you know, into 11 personnel. So over the last two weeks, 80% and 74%, both season highs using the 11 personnel grouping. And so that's opening up some opportunity for Anthony Miller, who's been on the field quite a bit more. 18 targets for Miller over the last two weeks, um, three consecutive games with over 70% of the routes. And then Darnell Mooney is the other guy. So 14 targets over the last two weeks, but man, 371 air yards over the last four weeks. Now that's not the same as what we talked about with DJ Chark over the last three weeks earlier, but that's still really good. So Mooney, you know, I like him, you know, if you're in a deep league, you know, and you got a bye week, you need a wide receiver three or you need a flex, you know, there's worse plays than Mooney, especially against the Vikings secondary. Um, you know, the thing you have to worry about with the Vikings, if they get the 
that, you know, kind of Python grip going and they want to slow the game down and everything's working for them, you know, they can really sap the opposing offense, right, from snaps. So you kind of got to keep an eye on that. But um, 80% and 74%, like I said, in the 11 grouping over the last two weeks. So that's a real positive thing um, as far as the three receivers getting involved. I think, you know, you're seeing Matt Nagy finally figure out that, look, I got to do something different. We're, We're just we don't have enough on offense. You know, our defense is okay, but to your point, it, it has holes. It's not the defense that we saw a few years back when they first acquired, you know, Khalil Mack and when they were so dominant. So I think he's finally starting to adapt and some of it could be Miller's health. You know, Miller's dinged up quite a bit. So he may just now be at a point where he's worth getting on the field, but Miller is also a viable, you know, he's really a wide receiver four, but if you need him, you know, as a flex play, if you need him as your wide receiver three on a week where you got some bye week things going on, um, he's a guy that you can plug in. Yeah, Miller's someone I was probably a little too high on during the offseason. You know, he's one of these late-round guys. I wasn't telling you all to draft him in round five or anything crazy like that. But, you know, truly, Darnell Mooney, that guy is a baller, man. The things He should have had a 90-yard touchdown on Jalen Ramsey, a 50-plus-yard touchdown on Carlton Davis. Unfortunately, I haven't seen you know, the consistent connection between him and Foles. That's going to do it, everybody. Thank you for sticking around to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Dwayne, your utilization report is one of the best pieces of content on the internet. Tell the people where they can find it and what it's all about. Yeah, man. It's up on PFF now. Um, posted earlier today. So really, if you just you like some of the stuff that I talked about on the show here, essentially each week I go in and find the key trends uh, that I feel like everybody needs to know about. And really the goal is like to kind of give you a preemptive look into what's going. Now, it doesn't mean these things always hold. But I mean, if you go look at it over the last several weeks, I would ask you to go back and look and read. And the number of players that we're calling out before they blow up you know, it's, it's really high and it's a lot better than, you know, guys that we think may blow up that don't. So it doesn't always, you know, work, but it's just really digging into one level deeper, you know, of the data that really you can only get at PFF, the stuff that we have available to us because we've got eyes on every single play, all of that stuff's being charted. So just things that you can't, you know, get from, you know, other sites. Yeah, I think as you so eloquently put it a couple of weeks ago here on this podcast, ultimately we're in the information providing business. We want to be right in our takes. We will make money on our own, but our goal is to help make all of you out there as smart as possible with the fantastic data that we have at our fingertips. So please check that out. Check out Dwayne on Twitter at Dwayne McFarlane Context Matters. Check me out too, if you don't mind, you know, at iHearted. Who knows? Maybe you, have the, maybe you don't have anything better to do. We'll see. Thank you again for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. New episodes every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I love football. I hope you love football. And until next time, take care, everybody. 